Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I've got a great stream with some great guests that I think you're really going to enjoy. So I've been meaning to get a news roundup show going on here. It's been a while since we did that, and boy, did we pick the right time to do it because as we were getting ready to go on air just an hour or two beforehand, the huge news drops that Tucker Carlson is out in, on Fox News. That shapes up the, shakes up the media landscape. It has all kinds of ramifications. We're going to be getting into that. We're going to be getting into the blue check purge over on Twitter with Elon and everything that's been unfolding there. And we'll be touching on some of the new rules from the Biden administration about the uh, crazy way they're going to be doing mortgages from now on, how they're going to be incentivizing those who can't pay their bills. But before we get started, guys, let me go ahead and introduce you to our, our co-hosts today. We've got everyone's favorite frog, the Prudentialist. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for coming on. I thought with the, the Tucker news, I'd wear a bow tie in solidarity with our recently fired friend. I appreciate you holding for the reveal there. Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> the mystery of the bow tie was there. Solidarity uh, for Tucker. And then also joining me today, we have Wade Stotts from The Wade Show. Very funny. If you haven't been watching it, you should definitely check it out. Wade, thanks for joining me, man. Thank you very much. I don't have a costume uh, in solidarity with Tucker, but I, I, I feel underdressed now. Yeah, the, the lack of bow tie here. reveal is, is yeah. brutal. Yeah, <laughs> But I am glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, like I said, we'll get deep into all those stories. But before we do, let's go ahead and hear from today's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by the Intercollegiate Studies Institute. The Intercollegiate Studies Institute is a conservative nonprofit dedicated to educating the next great American. ISI understands that conservative and right-of-center students feel isolated on college campuses and compelled to defend their reputation and dignity while seeking to carve out a brighter future. ISI has a variety of different content, events, internships, and fellowships geared towards helping students and opening up career opportunities. ISI offers graduate students and entry-level journalists the opportunity to receive fellowships and secure internships. Nate Hockman, who's been a guest on this show multiple times, got his start on National Review through ISI, and he's just one of many journalists and academics who were able to start their careers with the help of ISI. This spring, ISI is going to be hosting a debate between Michael Knowles and Deidre McCloskey on the subject of transgenderism that will be live-streamed on YouTube. In the fall, everyone's favorite Fox News host, Tucker Carlson, will be giving the keynote address at ISI's annual gala. On all issues, both economic and cultural, ISI wants their students to know that they're not shying away from the problems facing our country, because in letting the left win is a pathetic way to watch civilization die. To learn more, check out ISI.org. That's ISI.org. You can follow the link down below in the description of this video. All right, so obviously you might have to redo some of that ad because fuck Tucker Carlson, no longer everybody's favorite Fox News host. But yeah, so I think everyone was kind of blown away by this. I think it was very clear if you look at Friday's episode of Tucker Carlson, you know, he said, I'll see you guys Monday or something to that effect. It really felt like this was a shock to everyone he expected to be on Monday. Everybody, you know, he, he's the highest rated host in cable news by a long shot. You can staple everybody else together and it still doesn't even come close. And so it's pretty wild to see this parting of ways. And Fox News just did it with a, a very brief, uh, you know, press release. There's really no information from them on uh, why this happened. We'll look at some other sites and what they're reporting here in a moment. But Prudentialist, what was your first response to hearing this news? 
Uh, I was certainly caught off guard, I think, like everybody else, but I also had thought that it seemed really conveniently timed to take off one of the most sane voices in conservative media, right as an election cycle is about to kick off spring offenses with the war in Ukraine and, of course, a bunch of war drumming in the Far East. I mean, Tucker has been consistently one of the more critical voices out of the sort of mainstream neoconservative faction that we see so often. I mean, he's right before Sean Hannity, who's the you know, anti-Tucker Carlson. So it, it was rather surprising. But at the same time, I was uh, immediately thinking that that's going to really shake up the media cycle for 2024 and everything else going on in the news. Yeah, wait, it's very strange to think of one news host as having that big of an impact, somebody who could shift an election or shift public opinion about an ongoing conflict. But it's hard to deny that Tucker Carlson does have what feels like kind of that level of sway. What did you think when you heard about this? Yeah, it, it is. If anybody could sway some sway the public, it would be Tucker Carlson. Um, my my initial thought was how um, it seemed like they were unprepared for it as well. It seemed like there was a they're just putting up something called Fox News Tonight in its place, which I, I guess I assume is just Caitlyn Jenner telling us about how the left has gone too far. You know, we got a nightly installment of that stuff. Um, but yeah, no, it was it is. It is a huge loss for Fox. I assume that, I mean, wh whatever you feel about Fox, they are a huge distribution network. And his ideas got further because they were on at that time slot. And uh, it was a, a large castle, a, a great you know, place for him to have been. And we'll see you know, what his next steps are. Yeah, it is pretty wild because you know Tucker Carlson kind of stands apart. You look at Fox News and... As you pointed out, much of Fox News is just kind of recycled, slightly warm to the right, uh, you know, versions of progressivism. We're we're definitely going the speed limit on most most of Fox News's uh, programming. But Tucker Carlson was very much pushing the the limits in a lot of ways. You know, he's talking about January sixth and many of the uh, you know cover ups that might have happened there, the involvement of the federal government. You know, he's pushing. Uh, the limit when it talks, you know, he talks about Ukraine, opposition to Ukraine is still something that is a very touch and go when it comes to the right. Many people in the mainstream right, and especially on Fox News, still very gung ho in support of that conflict, pushing the limits when it talks about things like immigration. You know, the the left always talking about uh, Tucker Carlson and the conspiracy theory of the great replacement. You know, he's he's the boogeyman in a lot of ways. And we just saw uh you know uh, uh AOC de basically demanding the removal of Tucker Carlson you know telling the former white house press secretary how important it was to censor Tucker Carlson off the air and to get him off the air from Fox News and it's really interesting do, do you either of you think that this was a mutual decision do you think someone was pressured obviously we're we're kind of in the fog of war here but it, it I don't know. Do you, do you think that Tucker Carlson didn't just want to be there anymore? Or do you think this was a politically motivated uh, situation? Get somebody like this voice off the air before we run into kind of some of these critical issues. Whoever wants to go, you can jump in. <laughs> go ahead, Wade. Yeah, I mean, it, it is certainly possible. I, the, I, there was some interview with an insider or something like that where somebody said that he was planning on doing a show tonight and it was going to be surrounding the, the Fox Dominion suit. 
and he was he was going to sort of clear his name or something like that, uh, and that Fox was the one who squashed that. Um, I it doesn't seem to me. It seems like, um, yes, I think that Tucker has in several ways, uh, you know, not just in terms of ideology, but in terms of where he, you know, what he's doing. Uh, he has he has created a lot of other landing pads that he could go to. Uh, and he's created a lot of those relationships. I, um, I'm sorry, I, I actually forget what the end of the question was. <laughs> That's okay. I, I think you're right. I don't think anyone's under the impression that Tucker Carlson won't end up somewhere. It's sure. it's not like he's not an employable guy. <laughs> he's right. obviously, right. obviously a massive talent and arguably drove much of the Fox News audience at this mm -hmm. point. So right. wherever he goes, he will certainly be a boon. But I was wondering... If this is if we think this is possibly a two sided thing where both parties were just didn't want to continue forward or because, like I said, it just does feel like it was almost sprung on Carlson over the weekend or, or you know, coming up to today. Uh, or was this a situation where there really was some kind of uh, immediate push from management, from ownership, right. someone saying we got to get this guy off air? Yeah, my, my assumption is that the, the relationship had been probably fraying for a long time and then and then something that where they were both not happy with. I, I, I can't imagine that it was only any I can't imagine that it was one sided in, in that sense. Fair enough, Predictionalist. What about you? I know you sent me a story here. I believe it was uh, Washington Post talking about how Murdoch directly wanted Tucker Carlson gone. Do you think that that was a it was kind of a top-down thing immediately pushing or do you think Carlson was was already one foot out the door at some point I think that the coverage over the last year and a half probably had frayed his relationship with Rupert Murdoch and probably others at, at Fox you know news and entertainment the whole big Fox media empire that they own but uh you know there's one story that says it's from Rupert Murdoch directly there's another that says you know has a lot to do with the Dominion lawsuit like Wade mentioned I mean uh, Vanity Fair, The Washington Post, The LA Times have all covered it differently. So yeah, I mean, we're definitely in the fog of war. But I think considering that Tucker stood more or less as the only sort of conservative media figure, at least on Fox, uh, that would go out of their way and call things out for really what they were in a lot of respects. Um, you know, you can't go Bullworth forever before someone tries to, to fire you or axe you. And it seems like that they made that decision this morning rather spur of the moment because i mean even in that um la times article they were saying that advertisements for fox you know tucker carlson tonight was still going to happen uh later this monday evening and that hasn't obviously not going to be the case anymore so uh i think on one hand yeah it's been he's been on one foot out the door for the other seeing how far he can go but i, I can't imagine that he has the world's best relationship with rupert murdoch to begin with yeah in like said, the the things that he was willing to address, the positions he was willing to take, it's it's very strange how different that is. A lot of people, you know, I, I heard from people who would say, oh, at the end of the day, Tucker is still on Fox, so he has to be controlled opposition. You know, Tucker is still out there uh, with a mainstream voice, and so he has to be, uh, you know, somebody who is still playing the game to the extent where he's not really you know, on the side of the right. He's 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 really just trying to manage opinions, that kind of thing. But I think this shows kind of how dangerous he was to many in you know the media and their efforts to kind of control opinion on the right. He was willing to cross a lot of lines, interview a lot of people. I mean, he brought Curtis Yarvin on <laughs> for 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 crying out loud. So I mean, it's it's obviously a situation where he was willing to go places that 
uh, were going to make him very unpopular with the conservative mainstream, but he was obviously very popular with the audience. And I think it's very interesting that he and Dan Bongino leave within a week of each other. You know, Dan Bongino, a very popular host, somebody who I believe had the weekend show is one of their top rated weekend guys. And then Tucker Carlson, obviously the top rated, you know, uh, nightly guy, both leaving, you know, almost simultaneously. You have to wonder, is this just a general trimming down of the budget? Are these guys just too big and the talents? I mean, it seems crazy to get rid of two of your biggest talents almost at the same time. Or, you know, again, is this politically motivated or did both of them have opinions that strayed too far from the mainstream? Is it just a general shakeup? Is Fox in a very uh, dangerous place financially due to this lawsuit they now have to pay out? I mean, there's just a lot of questions up in the air as to why we're seeing these purges simultaneously. Yeah. Well, on, and on the ideological point, it is difficult to picture the writers for Tucker Carlson's show going to a different Fox show mm. with all of those same opinions. They're, they're not going to get hired there. I assume that a lot of the staff members are going to move on <laughs> or do whatever Tucker does next, or at least, uh, you know, find a different position. Whereas I think that that probably would have been true of when Bill O'Reilly was gone. Obviously, there were different circumstances around his leaving. But the people who worked on Bill O'Reilly's show could very easily just slot right into some other Fox show. Uh, I, I can't picture that happening behind the scenes over there at the Tucker show. Yeah, you. The, they just had a, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think his Media Matters just had a headpiece about one of Tar Tucker Carlson's producers following the wrong people on, yeah. on Twitter, li liking the wrong tweets. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think that's a hundred percent true that the, one of the reasons Tucker, I think was as plugged in as he was, was he did have a staff who was, you know, uh, looking at what was new, looking at where new opinions, new culture and things were forming. Again, you can tell that by some of the people that they brought on to, uh, to his segments and, onto uh, his daily uh, show is the the one they have on the streaming platform. And so it's very clear that they were plugged into a different, a different zeitgeist, a different place uh, than, than any of the other Fox sh uh, shows were. And so I think you're right that that, that does make a very interesting problem. Hopefully everybody kind of lands safely, uh, you know, uh, especially if Tucker's moving on to somewhere else uh, that they'll find a, a good place there. But yeah, the, those writers probably won't easily slot into other shows there. And speaking of that, Prudentialist, obviously, we're kind of from a sphere of uh, kind of Twitter that got a surprising amount of attention from some of, uh, you know, uh, Tucker Carlson and his staff. Uh, I had when I had a very small or a relatively small Twitter account and no one knew who I was. Tucker Carlson read one of my tweets on his show on air. He read uh, 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 Dr. Bennett's uh, uh, tweets on air. Uh, he blew up that martyr made thread uh, on air. He brought a lot of people who otherwise kind of wouldn't had any kind of exposure to a lot of these mainstream audiences. He would just read their tweets out on air out of nowhere. And it was always shocking to find out that one of the guys that, you know, were you know, you're sharing memes with a couple days ago is suddenly Tucker, Tucker Carlson famous. It's a very different experience. Uh, yeah, I mean, we were always having sort of a running gag with one another about whose tweets would get read next and, you know, various group chats that I'm in. And, uh, you know, it, it, I think Wade is absolutely right. A lot of the writers and producers for Tucker Carlson Tonight, as well as Tucker Carlson Originals, um, 
who I hope they still keep following us. That'd be great. I uh, hope maybe we can, maybe new founding or someone can help land them a job now that Tucker's been axed. But yeah, it is definitely a stranger media environment. I mean, it was a he was a bridge uh, between sort of your mainstream uh, Republican voting audience that are usually in that 55 plus and older range and bringing ideas from a younger generation such as ourselves or um, even other Republican outsiders. I mean, he's had on his original show, he's had Charles Haywood on, he's had Curtis Yarvin, he's, you know, had raw egg nationalists talked about. So, I mean, he was this interesting bridge between uh, new and dissident voices to the mainstream uh, Republican Party and the mainstream sort of GOP right. And seeing that be axed is, uh, is a tragedy for anyone who wants to push things outside of that, you know, Sean Hannity Overton window. And, you know, time and time again, we saw while Tucker was on there, he would talk about the war, he would talk about neoconservatives and being, you know, banging the war drum. And he had called out Sean Hannity and Senator Lindsey Graham more times than I care to count. So I, I'm not surprised that they would want to remove somebody of, you know, bringing in such different talent and voices and uh, making sure things stay on message. We're, we're seeing the centralization of a message on broadcast television and I'd imagine on other platforms as well. And, and Tucker was always someone who was willing to sort of learn in public. Um, he went through many ideological shifts. You watch the kind of crossfire libertarian bow tie, uh, Tucker Carlson. It's a, it's a different guy. Uh, but you know, having, having people on, he was learning in real time. And that is a really, you know, a reasonable reason for somebody to get nervous. If you're employing that guy, who knows what he's going to say next that you're not, or he, he might learn something. He might hear something and start saying something that you, uh, find objectionable and that advertisers might find objectionable. Yeah. I always thought that was kind of wild. It was very obvious when January 6th and vote counts and everything were coming in that Tucker was very worried about what he would say. And he seemed very hesitant to talk about uh, different theories about any kind of foul play or any kind of issues there. And then kind of as the time went by he kind of found i think the courage to say okay maybe we should have talked about this when it was happening and it is it's it's on us that we fell down and didn't address that and then obviously his willingness to push on you know ray epps and the footage from january 6th and all of these other things that have been uh, revealed since then it really does show like you said a willingness to learn a willingness to change a willingness to kind of find that courage, even even if it, I know a lot of people were angry with him at that time, uh, saying, "Well, why aren't you speaking up? Why aren't you?" But but they're not there, you know. They're they're not in the middle of that uh, firefight and understanding everything that's kind of on the line in that moment. Especially when we see the willingness of the security state. To, I mean, he you know they were spying on him. You know, <laughs> it's very very clear they understood kind of the the uh, the gravity of what was happening there. And so his willingness to say, no, okay, maybe I fumbled the ball there in an important moment, but I'm going to get back on this and I'm going to push this and I'm going to correct that by, by being the loudest voice and the you know, fearless in, in chasing down different parts of this, it, it, it makes a huge difference. And I wonder what this means for the conservative media sphere going forward, because obviously Fox News is the largest platform and I'm sure all of us have very valid criticisms, but losing a voice like Tucker's is very interesting because it really shows, I think for a lot of people who have now tasted what that was, 
it really shows Fox's unwillingness to platform anything out of a very controlled uh, opinion. And I wonder what this means for the future of Fox News. A lot of people are splashing Fox News stock failing. Fox News is over. It's the end. I'm pretty doubtful of that. Um, I, I don't think Fox News is over. I think it's still going to be the largest, you know, quote unquote, conservative news network. But I know, but I wonder what this does to kind of their future, their believability, and what kind of opportunities this opens up for competitors. Yeah, I, I think that the um, it will be interesting to see. I think Fox News is one of those things that certain people just put on at the end of the day, like a warm bath. It's not necessarily even about the ideology. It's just like ah, a little, a nice little relief from uh, the you know, it's 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 comfortable anyway. But I, I think that it, the, if Tucker, whatever Tucker does next, it will be interesting to see how many people that's their first podcast <laughs> where at, at the end of, for, for a long time, they just turned on whatever was on Fox. And then uh, now it's, now they got to download whatever Tucker's doing. Um, but I, I, I do think that there will be folks who will tune into Fox news tonight, whatever that turns out to be. And they, they might slot in whoever. And, and Fox is probably optimistic about their chances because I mean, again, they, they did fire Bill O'Reilly plugged in Tucker Carlson and now he's the number one. Uh, guy in the slot. So, but I mean, distribution has changed in such a vast way since late 2016, uh, which is when Tucker got that show. Um, I, 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 I assume that they're optimistic. Um, we'll see. We are at a tipping point in America with 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org slash chosen. What do you think, Prudentialist? I mean, I, I'll follow Tucker probably wherever he goes next, but I mean, it's going to be a significant reduction. And even if he wants to start his own company, I think it'll take a year or so. We don't even know if about any sort of non-compete clauses or anything like that in his contract, if he's held up to them or not. I think that, you know, it's not the end of Fox News in, in, in the slightest. I mean, the losing one guy, it won't won't do it despite their poll, even losing two with Dan going as well. I, I I just see that Fox will shuffle on. I do think a lot of people will maybe tune them out, but there are still plenty of people that watch all their other programs, you know, Fox and Friends, the, the Five or the Red Eye stuff. So I, I think that they'll stay for quite some time, but it is a, a large blow ideologically as well as professionally to Fox or anyone that might consider working for them, unless they already have strict ideological opinions that fit in line with sort of the, the Murdoch empire orthodoxy. Yeah. You do wonder if there's a fracturing there. I mean, obviously Fox retains its ability as Kingmaker just due to its size, but at some point, you know, like uh, Wade was saying, somebody discovers their first podcast, right? Like the question is, can, if the boomers will move off of platform or because that's the vast majority of what's keeping the Fox News audience afloat is people who are 
older and are still you know stuck with subscription tv aren't you know aren't willing to go to rumble or aren't willing to go to youtube or aren't willing to subscribe to a podcast but once that generation kind of phases out of relevance or if they start finding other avenues then you wonder if they can continue to kind of hold on the way they've been holding on now a really interesting thing and some people have speculated i'm not sure if this has any validity but a really interesting thing is over the weekend tucker's speech to the heritage foundation kind of went viral and it's not particularly spicy in and of itself but what is really interesting in it is the way he encourages people to look at what's happening here and it's something that i know i've said a lot and prudentialists said a lot a lot of people have said he but he echoed a lot of those thoughts in a very powerful way which was it's time to stop pretending that this is a political disagreement over minutiae about kind of where the country is going. Like, is it, is it a 25% tax rate or a 45% tax rate that really drives the optimum GDP, you know, whatever. Like, it's very clear that, that we are approaching something that is much more akin to a fundamental conflict of moral visions, a true disagreement about what good and evil is in a way that is not going to be resolved through a kind of basic argument in the, in the marketplace of ideas. And that's a really interesting thing to have blow up and go viral right before you get kicked off of a news network. I'm not saying that in and of itself was the driving force, but I wonder what you guys think about this shift in, in the understanding of what the nature of the political conflict is that he was encouraging and how that might change how people see it and how that might endanger what has been kind of the conservative establishment in media today? Yeah, well, you can you can certainly see that he was assuming that he would be operating in the kind of environment where everybody agrees on what a human being is <laughs> and agrees on what a man is or what a, what the goals for human beings should be. Um, and his his recognition of that is a major blow to the other side. His, his recognition that it is, I mean, he, he used the phrase a theological conflict um, and that recognizing the nature of the conflict uh, is could be, yes, enough to make people go, okay, well, we, we definitely need to shut this guy down. Uh, whereas if, if you are still stuck in the old mode, um, it's much easier to, um, I, I don't know if there's a direct connection between that speech and, and what happened this morning, but um, it would make sense that that would make people much more nervous than the the previous version of, of Tucker. Right. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think that Tucker, for all, you know, even though he was sort of uh, calling out his own Episcopalian roots, I mean, he has a very a valid point that I think many of us have called out is, is that all politics and all of the realities that we generate, you know, they, they do have an innately, if not, you know, purely innately theological realm to it, you know bad theology makes for bad realities. And if you live in a world where a liberation theology means that a dude in a dress is somehow a woman, then, you know, that's the kind of bad reality that we're going to degenerate and to live under, which is absolutely awful. And, um, you know, having a call to prayer and to recognize that you are really dealing with people that it's not stupidity or malice. It is just malice. And, uh, calling that out, I think, does kind of highlight what you're dealing with in 2023 and probably have been dealing with for quite some time is that there are people through their own interests, their selfishness, greed, whatever, 
really do wish to inflict harm on you, uh, whether ideologically, stochastically, or however. And uh, at least he was saying to use his voice and platform to call that for what it was. So again, obviously, we know that Tucker is the the biggest show in the market. It's the the you know not not just amongst conservatives, but it's it's the most watched show amongst many many liberals as well. And so you have to wonder how people can continue to make arguments about the marketplace kind of at this point, right? I mean, you literally have you know, it's, it, what if Coke was just like. Yeah, it's too popular. Take it, yeah, take it down, right? Start pushing the fresca. You know, like it it just it really blows up the narrative that the best product is gonna win out, that it's the one that's gonna be most desired by companies, that profit is what drives this stuff. I mean, you can't imagine I don't know what ads cost on Tucker Carlson, but it's gotta be pretty wild, right? Like the the kind of size of the audience and the that he was driving was really unprecedented amongst other news networks and you kind of in this day and age of fractured uh, news entertainment. And so the ability to command the revenue stream that he was like, yeah, Fox News might feel like they can just plug anybody in there. They're the king makers. You will. We'll just, you know, throw, uh, you know, Brad Palumbo in and, you know, it'll be fine, you know, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, what, what does this mean for people who have this, this belief still that the marketplace is what drives companies' decisions, that profit motive is what drives these decisions. And I guess more importantly, even above that, that the marketplace of ideas is something that is a real contest that drives our political understanding. I mean, when you have a guy who is, he's he's delivering monologues that literally made the news. He, he generated his own news cycles by just reading for 12 minutes what he wrote about the news. And when you have that kind of power to influence the marketplace of ideas, and then it's just wiped away by people who are supposed to be wanting to make money off of you, but now can't be bothered to, you know, endure your opinions. I feel like it, it's a pretty, you know, glaring indictment of people's understanding of the way that we, you know, buy and sell and trade things when it comes to a media marketplace. Yeah. So he's, he's certainly not incentivized to just, go after the truth or the, the, the also the myth that the the true the, that journalism means going after the truth in an un, you know in an un, uh, unbiased way or, or trying to find that um yeah if it really was that the best ideas win uh then tucker carlson would be of, of course or or that the the money wins so yeah of course everybody would want to be scrambling for tucker carlson and now that he's gone at fox if it was that then of course he'd be getting calls from abc or nbc right um whereas now he's no of course of course not uh because yeah he's he's fired because he's or fired I, I don't you know i know the circumstances but he's he's gone uh because he's dangerous um and and not because he was too good it was everything was um uh, the, the the market incentive doesn't yeah does not the incentive stuff doesn't answer for this God. yeah i mean if the marketplace of ideas was really the the winning key to success if we just hit them with better ideas i mean thomas Sowell would have been you know the crown victor of the bat marketplace of ideas you know 60 70 years ago and we wouldn't be doing this right now but that clearly isn't the case and so uh you know i think that you can tell that the marketplace of ideas has a, an innate uh, thumb on the scale in the same way that a lot of aspects of American life have a thumb on the scale and that, um, you know, it, it does, it raises an interesting question about where he'll go because 
you look at Comcast, AT&T, Disney, 21st Century Fox, CBS, and Viacom, they all kind of go in one certain direction when it comes to news. And so, you know, wherever he goes next, if it's not on one of those platforms or if he does something, uh, you know, on a speaking tour or something like that, you know, like the old Jordan Peterson days, it's just it will not have the same level of reach or, um, you know, staying power as it was with an hour long show every weeknight and doing his own original stuff in the mornings behind a paywall. It just will not. And so wherever he goes, it will be like cordoning him off to sort of an intellectual ghetto, like a lot of people do when they get banned off Twitter or any other major platform. So uh, whatever happens next is going to show us a really uh, significant reduction of having those bridges and those connections to people with money, ideas that are looking for a way out. Because, I mean, as Tucker outlined it in that speech at the Heritage um, Foundation, you know, it's just... Things are innately going off the rails and that there are people running things that are just innately evil. And, you know, getting that message across is going to be a lot harder now. Yeah. And again, as as much as some people will try to kind of throw flack in his direction, Tucker was obviously, like we've noted, uh, noted a pipeline and a, and a platform for people who are kind of outside of the mainstream. And so it's not just canceling tucker carlson though again we don't know if this was you know some level of mutual or you can't just say he got fired or whatever here but but him no longer having that fox news platform means that a whole slew of up-and-coming people who had appeared on his show or written for his show or you know had uh, made appearances or had ideas like i said you know raw national showed up on on tucker carlson i mean that's wild you you really have to grasp how strange that is for you know some of us who are plinking around on Twitter and you know a couple of years ago, and 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 it's just wild that that kind of uh, bridge was there, and so when they take Tucker Carlson off that network, it's not just him being gone. It's it's the all of the voices that were being mainstreamed, all of the people who were having an opportunity to kind of enter into the public conscious in a way that no one had you know seen before i think it really shifts things and it's as we've said multiple times this is a deeply talented guy he's obviously going to land on his feet he's going to command a lot of attention wherever he goes and i even if he doesn't have the kind of platform he had on fox news i think tucker's going to continue to drive news cycles i think he's going to continue to have a very big impact and i think everyone's just kind of going to be looking to see what he does next but in the meantime obviously uh, pretty pretty big deal. Uh, that said, we've had some other shankups in the media sphere uh, this week. Anyone want to hit anything on Tucker Carlson before we go? Did we get to everything? I, I was just going to say that his whatever he does next, he will have to either build an entire infrastructure, uh, not just his production infrastructure, but also the legal infrastructure that Fox News represented. Fox, Fox was mm-hmm. able to take care of a huge brunt of that dominion suit whereas either tucker would have to take that on or whatever company he goes to now so it as as uh, matt was saying it, it will whatever he does next it will take a long time or or he'll have to join something that is already big enough to take that amount of freight at one time yeah no that's a really important point a lot of people don't think about it we just kind of see the uh you know we just kind of see the show and talk about the the points brought up but you know today's news business and especially when you're pushing the limit like tucker is uh, is definitely a legal battle as well and so having the ability to kind of fight that on all fronts when you don't have a fox news a kind of 
behemoth that can kind of uh, deliver that service for you is certainly something that's going to factor in uh, as well. Uh, but that said, uh, let's talk about what this uh, stream was supposed to be about originally before uh, everything got thrown into chaos here. I uh, wanted to talk to you guys about kind of the Twitter blue check purge. We had a really interesting cycle happen there with Elon. Obviously, he was uh, messing with journalists, which is the most valuable thing Elon Musk does. It's lo- love him for that. Uh, you know, and when he whenever he's destroying a journalist day, that, that really makes mine. And, you know, he was labeling things like NPR state media, which beautiful chef's kiss, right? Just, uh, you know, amazing trolling, Elon. Well done. And he was doing the same thing to, believe, I believe, like the Canadian Broadcast Network. And, like, he's, he's just wrecking all these libs days. They're losing their mind. They're giving speeches about how important they are and how they matter. And, you know, I got to leave the platform because, you know, he's, he's you know, uh, labeling of what they are. And then he followed up by removing legacy blue checks. Now, that's something he's been promising to do for a long time. Everyone kind of knew that was coming. It was weird that it made, I think, as much waves as it did when it happened. But kind of all these celebrities and all these CNN anchors woke up and their their precious mark of the beast was gone. There was nothing to tell them that they had that, that they had prayed to the cloven hoof and that they were, you know, that they had made the correct sacrifices and they were now one of the initiated. And that really uh, just destroyed a lot of them. We had a lot of people, you know, taking to Twitter and complaining about how this is the end of the credibility of Twitter. Some people even going as far as saying people are going to die from this because that, you know, the, the 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 no one will be able to impersonate people and you know, everyone will lose their mind and no one has any idea. Now, the great thing is, that, of course, the blue check was originally supposed to be a mark of uh, just it was just supposed to be technical, functional, right? Like this is the real person; they really exist. Uh, we verified who they are, so no one else can make a fake account about them. But the blue check became a completely political thing. Many people who were known to be verified, people who were known to be the actual person, were just stripped of their blue checks for perfect, per, uh, completely ideological reasons. And later, it came out that actually it, blue checks were so politicized and so arbitrary that some companies were paying, you know, just bribing techs at Twitter, like Twitter personnel, like in some cases, like 15 grand to give them a blue check so they could, uh, you know, operate uh, with legitimacy. And now it's just something you get for eight bucks, you know, and so it just destroyed the media hierarchy. Uh, but now we've had kind of this weird reversal and all of a sudden the blue checks are starting to show back up and the labels have been stripped off NPR and I'm not really sure what to think here because, like, Elon basically said, like, basically I'm paying for all these blue checks now, which means, like, no, you're not. Like, you're, you're just you're just giving these things back to everybody and kind of it feels like you're caving on all this stuff. What do we think about the mix-up of this Prudentialist? Like, why why do we go through this cycle? Did he just cave immediately? Was this always the plan? We just want to troll him for a few days? What's going on here? Well, I think for for starters, I think he realized, well, if I take them away, right, the the validation issue definitely becomes a problem because there were numerous tweets and accounts saying, you know, actually, we're the ones that had their blue check marks taken away. were saying, like, don't listen to anybody else. Like, we're still the official, you know, government of New York City, you know, Twitter account. And then there'd be like three others with the same profile picture and a similar handle saying no. Uh, So I'd imagine that. Uh, there was like, oh, well, I should probably cover my rear end and make sure that 
the official government Twitter accounts are, are given back their, their way to do it. I mean, I see them all over now, but I'm, you know, I, I think that that's the most likely answer and the realistic one. I mean, was it fun to mess with a bunch of journos heads for like 24 hours? Absolutely. Is it great to say that the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation is 69% government funded? <laughs> Absolutely. But I, I think Tucker Carlson real or um, Elon Musk realizing that, Oh, uh, I'm in charge of one of the most important like public platforms in the world and that people should know where their government is is tweeting in case a, a parody account is telling them to you know duck and cover. I should probably do something. So I, I think the rapid turnaround was to to give them back. Although it has been nice to see all of these legacy journalists say, well, I'm not paying $8 a month, but this blue check mark says I'm paying $8 a month. So no one's ever happy. And if that means journalists aren't happy, then that works for me. Fair enough. Yeah. Wait, do you think it was restored because everyone was worried, you know, Chris Chan 420 was impersonating the New York Times? What, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, so it is odd that if, if it is that Elon hadn't thought about several things, then he really is sort of flying by the seat of his pants because he he was originally supposed to do it on April 1st. That was going to be the big day. And then he moved it to 420. Um, and then after that, that was when it actually ended up happening. But from what I understand, the ones, the, the blue checks, so the ones for celebrities were returned to their accounts if they had, if they had over a million followers. Hmm. So I, there were, there were a bunch of verified legacy verified things, but that weren't over the million. Um, but yeah, the, the blue check now just means, yeah, you can't click on it to tell what it means anymore. Um, but it's bizarre. The, the one, I, I think the only person I saw who said that he was leaving Twitter because of his blue check being removed was George from Seinfeld. Um, and he, is, he said that he was going to go to uh, a first Instagram, which has its own $15 a month verified <laughs> badge that they rolled out last month. And then another one called Spoutable. So that was his, uh, his uh, refuge. But anyway. <laughs> he's not, not going to run to Mastodon and uh, you know, uh, you know, hang out yeah. with all the other cool journos and you know, probably yeah. cat boys. Yeah. Well, I, I decided that I was going to go over to Spoutable because I had not heard of Spoutable before. But uh, I did create an account. I, uh, I did it under my own name, which was a mistake. Uh, <laughs> but I decided that the only person I'm following on Spoutable is Jason Alexander, George from Sunfeld. And I actually decided that I was going to go and message him just to see what his favorite. So first I buttered him up about his podcast. I haven't listened to. Uh, and then I asked, and then I asked him what his favorite part of spoutable was so far. Uh, and he told me it was the calm and decency. So that's my official reporting. I know this is a journalistic show, so I want to bring, I bring an original. That. Yeah. Bring an exclusive. You have <laughs> George from Seinfeld's reason for going to spoutable. Yeah. I should have asked him if he had eight bucks a month. I think that, oh. that would have been, yeah. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, no, it is funny that in the face of, you know, this freakout came in the face of uh, other platforms basically adopting the Twitter model. So, you know, we've had to hear kind of endlessly about the dangers of, of Elon Musk and the dangers of this system. Also, I feel like they had a solution to this, which was the like the yellow and gray check marks, right? Like there was going to be these different check marks for different uh, reasons. And yeah, that's a confusing system, uh, like, it, it, but whatever, like it kind of solved the problem. So it's kind of weird to me that, uh, that he needed to shake things up this way, but it was rather amusing. Like you said, anytime a journo is, is sad, uh, it makes all of us, uh, it, it makes the world a better place. And so, uh, you know, it's, 
it's good to see that at the end of the day. I think uh, I think it was very valuable, though a little disappointing. I, I wish it would have stuck to his guns there uh, on that one, but uh, but at least a couple a couple days of chaos is is worth it. Um, he also tweeted out very interestingly: "Demographics is destiny," and I mean that's a weekend. Um, yeah. uh, but I, I just I gotta ask what what do you think? elon is about there like uh, it's it's i I don't mean that particular phraseology we don't have to dive into that but what i mean is his his interactions with twitter obviously it felt like initially he was making a buy to own a piece of power right like you you you've you grabbed a command control center from people who disagree with you elon's not a traditional conservative he's not somebody who's super right wing. I don't know that he listened to a lot of Rush Limbaugh, uh, but he obviously disagrees with the regime in pretty significant ways. And he felt like he was buying it to kind of mess with the flow of information and have a, have a kind of thumb on the scale uh, in, in when it came to the distribution of information. But then it also seemed like he was making decisions very much based on profitability profitability now obviously you're a businessman you got to do both right like you you can't just buy something ideologically to some extent though it sure would be nice if you know conservative quote-unquote billionaires would get around to like doing what the the left does and they just kind of sponsor people like they don't care if the new york times turns a profit they understand like the mind control device is way more valuable than the balance sheet um, but but you get at some level that he's uh, kind of uh, working for the profit motive. But what do you think his end game is with the ownership of Twitter? Do you think that it's purely ideological? Do you think that he does think he can turn this around and turn it into the everything app that he's talked about many times? Or is this kind of a distraction? I mean, it's it's a very expensive distraction if it is one. But it, but is he's just the kind of guy that will buy into something crazy and see what he can do with it, do with it, knowing that eventually he can probably unload it if he really needs to. Well, he certainly knows that that's where narratives get formed, and mm-hmm. so I mean, we, we've I think um, you've talked before about the the insurrection day about how that narrative was sort of formed. We watched it be formed while we were watching the story, and that was mainly being formed on Twitter. Um, and the official narrative took shape very quickly. Whereas I think that if if there is a leveling out of the blue check people, then the the narrative you know it could it it could you know flatten out some of that, or at least uh, allow there to be some some competition back to the marketplace of ideas. Um, but but yeah, I, I think that he he does come across as a guy who just really has fun with it. And he knows that Twitter is one of the most fun social media platforms. There's not, if he were to have bought, you know, he may, he may have not had the budget to buy some of these other ones, but he did buy the most fun platform and the one that he is, he's best at. I mean, he's, he's sort of a dork, but he also is, is, you know, has a lot of fun there. I think owning his distraction or owning, owning the thing that he does for fun and being able to play around with it. um, Yeah. Even that, for a few days being able to have put up the state sponsored media on NPR or the 69% thing on the CBC. Um, I, I, yeah, I think at some level he's just playing around and um, that is maybe enough of a motive. 
Yeah, I mean, I I think that he's having fun with it alongside... I mean, he's also... He's had fun with it, but he's also trying to fend off the platform from those that are trying to leech off of it. I mean, there was a big back and forth with Substack a couple of weeks ago because they're trying to do their Substack notes, which looks like a Twitter clone. And there was, you know, trying to throttle them for a little bit as sort of a retaliation for that. Uh, We had the lovely little blue, you know, bird logo be changed to a doge for a little bit i hope you pumped your your doge coin for the like week or so that it was on um you know get your money in real quick and so i think on one hand he's definitely aware of the power that this platform has and he's also a, a master of you know media manipulation anytime that there's a lawsuit or something going on about tesla or spacex uh he knows to sort of tweet out something meme or to make an appearance somewhere and to utilize his sort of celebrity as a way to um, shape the narrative for him. And I think that he understood it a lot, a lot in the same way that Donald Trump understood it, that if you can get ahead of what the mainstream press says about you by setting the agenda yourself, then um, they have to respond to you, not you responding to the press. And that's a great way to level the power you know, disadvantage with respects to the media or the government, because they're talking about you, not about what some reporter in the Washington Post had said. And I mean, He's a, a man that looks at the world and recognizes that, um, no, actually, you know, we're, we're going to run out of people eventually. I mean, his demographics, his destiny thing is, is the, almost the same thing as Empty Planet, a book written in 2019 about population decline. So uh, he I think he knows what he's doing to some extent. I mean, you don't get as far as you are without that. But I think that he also recognizes, oh, this is one of my ventures that isn't heavily subsidized by the American government. So maybe I should make this a profitable business. I think actually having someone pay a subscription service for your blue check, $8 a month isn't a half bad start because it's a great way to take away the power from those who had legacy blue checks. And now some reply guy with 200 followers can have a blue check and it makes me do a double take when I check my notifications. It's almost made the platform a little more fun. Yeah. I'm still, uh, I have a moral quandary, you know, I feel in my heart that the blue check is is evil and i've always arrayed myself as as one as you know i'm assailing the blue check you know it, 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 it's it's the other team but now it's all inverted it doesn't mean anything anymore and you know my my own moral you know dichotomy is thrown into chaos i don't i don't know how to feel to you know now that the journalists hate the blue check do i buy the blue check or now or does that mean i'm accepting the regime it's it's you know it's, it's utter chaos yeah. so if that's what he's looking for, he's been very successful. I, I don't know how to respond to the blue check anymore. So yeah, it could be just picking up Goliath's sword, you know, just getting that. Like, who knows? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll see. I've got the eight bucks a month. That's not the problem. I just I have the moral <laughs> quandary of uh, you know of of how to approach the blue the question of the blue check. It's fair. Um, but that said, uh, let's let's go to our last story. I wanted to get to before uh, we kind of move on to the super chats here. Uh, the Biden administration uh, announced a very interesting plan uh, last week, one in a long list of, uh, of very interesting plans, which uh, seems to destroy uh, our country, uh, seems, seems purpose-built for that, uh, for that reason. Uh, they decided that they're going to charge people with good credit scores more for their mortgages so that they can subsidize the mortgages of people who cannot afford one. Now, there's a lot of interesting aspects to this. First off, of course, we've already done this before. We've already seen this movie 
we've already caused a financial collapse this way. So uh, I guess, you know, let, let's, let's start there. Uh, Wade, why would we do something that is an exact, almost an exact copy of the way we collapsed the economy last time? What, what, what's, what's the driving decision making, you know, frame there? Yeah, well, the, I, I guess it's because everybody watched the big short and didn't uh, look at what the big short was responding to. No, it's yeah, it's it's a, it, like what they were what what they were trying to distract from. They believe that whole thing. Yeah, no, you're right. We, we have seen this movie. It was directed by Adam McKay. And uh, no, we're all there. There really is no if if you are operating. We talked about Tucker Carlson earlier t operating under the assumption that here we are just you, you have this plan to attain this goal. I have a different plan to attain the same goal. It's going to be faster. It's going to, <laughs> whereas th this is a, another, uh, if, if it really is about just picking which idea gets us to the, the best goal faster. No, these are just two diametrically opposed visions for what we are, what we ought to be doing. Um, and that's the only explanation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is sort of your classic uh, Bertrand de Juvenel example of high, low, middle. And so if me at the top of the government is going to tell those that have made poor financial decisions and uh, that they're looking for a way to do it, and you're going to tell me that you're going to pass the buck onto the guy that's, you know, got everything that I covet, then yeah, I'm going to make him pay for it and enjoy it. So, I mean, they're, they're sort of targeting that upper middle class that will that is struggling for a home and because their credit is good and they saved up money and already home prices are astoundingly high. I mean, it's putting a squeeze on those that have tried to do it the correct way or the way that we're told is the correct way. And now you're providing an incentive to say to those, Hey, those of you who can't afford this, you know, we'll, we'll cut you some slack at the cost of the other guy. And um, I mean, unlike, in, you know, now we're just really creating more incentives to take riskier mortgages. And it's almost, yeah, it's almost as if we haven't learned our lesson the last several times we've had a, a housing bubble or a housing crunch, but it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's malice. It's, it's planned malice for yeah. those of their enemies and to reward those that they know will vote for them anyways, as long as you keep the stream of financial incentives to do so. And what better incentive than to, to have a home or to, to crash somewhere and to afford a place and, you know, that's what everyone wants, right, is a, a home for themselves and a little bit of land. And they're definitely providing a way to reward their their patronage network. And even if it's not, you know, legal or whatnot, they will probably do, as we've seen other times, manipulate, you know, rules, definitions and resources to to get what they want. Yeah, yeah I was going to say it, it, the the learning the lesson isn't even the thing. I th it, it does, has to be malice. Like, like, like I get that at this point we have pregnant men you know and so like logic goes out the window I, I i understand the realm the clown world is is where we're at permanently at this point but you know that if you keep giving people mortgages who can't afford the mortgages your financial system will collapse and you know that because it literally just happened like it's <laughs> It's not that far in the past. So it's it's not a speculation. It's not like a, I wonder if, like, we're really in the point where the engineers are building roads and bridges by believing that two plus two is five. Like, you, you know it can't work. You know it won't work. You 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 don't have some far in the past example. You have an, a, an example that was like, you know, 14 years ago at this point. Like, and, and we're just like, yeah, let's just run directly into this buzzsaw 
because yeah and i think this is why again it's probably why tucker carlson doesn't have a show anymore uh he he said the the quiet part out loud on friday which was pretty gutsy of him when he was talking about this he said uh, uh we know that for whatever reason the reflection of credit scores is reflective of race that people with different credit scores tend to cluster around different groups in society and this is a direct attack on suburbs. This is a direct attack on breaking up what are largely white middle class suburbs that reliably vote Republican and making sure that they don't build any, uh, you know, they don't vote Republican anymore. It's about breaking the voting block and making sure that those are no longer solid voting blocks that the right or the GOP can rely on. And that really helps you fill in the gaps when you're trying to understand the financial motive what you know why would we run back into this you know house on fire that we already know is a disaster well the answer is because it ensures the political outcomes they want long term it's not about the profit it's not about that it's about making sure that you destroy neighborhoods and you destroy communities that were voting the wrong way and that's a big part of the incentive behind it and and if someone owns land, they're much more likely to be attached to something. And if it's, and it's difficult to rule somebody, it's difficult to grab somebody and change somebody's loyalties if they're loyal to a particular piece of ground where their family lives, where their kids play. Uh, whereas if if they're not, if they're if they're sort of um, if they're living in a rented place that isn't theirs, their, their name isn't on anything uh, except the rental agreement, then yeah, they 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 are. It's just one more way that you can be distanced from even the place where you live or distanced even from the people who live around you. Um, own, owning something, owning a piece of land, owning a house is a way to build community because you are all this this piece of ground is split between a bunch of people who see each other every day um, and not owned by one large corporation or loaned by a, a company that then a bunch of people are also paying money to. Um, it's it, it makes sense that it is a deracinating force as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, Sam Francis actually specifically talks about the need to destroy hard property. And we can see this from elites, uh, global elites like the World Economic Forum. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy, right? Like the, the whole point is that if you're if there's never any of your own, if you don't own anything on your own, you're always dependent on the system for every single interaction of every day. It can maximize the amount of power that the Leviathan has over you. And any any situation where you own your own car or you own your own home or you build a neighborhood and a culture you know, with your neighbors and you understand each other and you, you create community organizations that mean that you don't immediately have to run to the government for everything, that limits the power of the regime and what they can force people to do and what they can leverage against each other. So the, the property destruction is a big part of it. The neighborhood destruction is a big part of it. The manipulation of electoral outcomes is a big part of it. And when you understand that, then, you know, tanking the economy one more time to make sure that you stay in power in perpetuity, maybe that's not such a bad trade. Yeah, I mean, if you own nothing, then by extension of that logic, you are owned. And uh, at this point, I really think you need another sign to tap or something saying, like, it's not rocket science. They just hate civilization because um, <laughs> th that's what they're after at this point. If you don't have a connection to the land, if you don't have children, if you don't have... Uh, an ownership or something that says I can stand up on my own two feet, I don't need you, then for all intents and purposes, they, they want you enslaved. I mean, I think a, a good description of all of this from what I've seen electorally is, is that 
They don't, you know, they'll settle for you living like a Republican in California where you're there and you can wind up a fuss all you want, but you're never going to get anything done because you don't have the ability to win elections anymore that they'll do that by any means necessary. So if that means we're going to tank the economy and drag the world into global recession so we can last uh, another election cycle or another 10, 15, 20 years, then so be it, because you know, there's like we talked about the last time I was on Orin right before the midterms, they were like, yeah, we want like these LGBT alphabet people to be the one in five of the next voting block by 2040, which is a demographically unsustainable number. But if it means that they can hold on to power that much longer, they will, you know, inject, snip, cut, do whatever they need to, to uh, make it happen. Yep, Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, we're going to pivot to the questions of the people here in just a second. But before we do, Wade, can you let everybody know where to find your excellent work? Well, thank you so much. I'm glad I'm glad you like it. It's um, so the Wade Show with Wade is the name of the show. And if you just search that on on YouTube, uh, you should be able to find it. Wade Show should also pull it up. Uh, also, you can follow me on Twitter at Wade Stotts. Um, but yeah, I, I put out a, a weekly news monologue. It's sort of like Daily Show meets right wing blank posting. Um, but I, I really enjoy it. It's a, it's a ton of fun and uh, a great way. I, I just it's basically a news roundup running through the headlines, uh, sort of eight to 10 minutes uh, at a time. Excellent. And I'm sure everyone is following the Prudentialist in every way that they can. But if they have somehow made the mistake to not do so, can you let them know where they can, sir? Sure. You can find me on Twitter, YouTube, Substack as the Prudentialist. And you can find everywhere that I met online, Telegram, Twitter, etc., um, at findmyfriends.net, F-R-E-N-S slash The Prudentialist, and you can find all of my links there. And I will happily endorse uh, The Wade Show with Wade. I've watched quite a few of the episodes now. They're quite good. Um, it's everything that, you know, Jon Stewart and them wish they could be, which is actually funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, not to slight your show at all, but it's not hard to outperform Jon Stewart at this point. <laughs> I understand, <laughs> but, I get but it. But assuming that he's at his peak, you could still beat him, you know, so... <laughs> If he, if he if he somehow got himself back into fighting uh, shape, I'd still I'd still I'd still bet on you. But uh, but Very right now he's he's a desiccated husk of a <laughs> of a host. So it's it's yeah it's Very, more yeah. it's more like you're beating up on somebody in a walker. But you know I'm walk away I'm walking away with a compliment. I'm I'm, I'm calling all of that <laughs> all of that one big compliment. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, let's go with skeptical panda here for five dollars. Uh, compliments to the Prudentialist on his outfit looking very dapper, sir. Uh, yeah. all, all for a solidarity bit for Tucker Carlson getting fired. We have to go back to our roots. Well, you would have uh, you you would have been wearing the the suit no matter what. You suit mog me every every episode uh, that we do together. But uh, but the the uh, bow tie is a very nice touch. It really sets off the whole uh, the whole well, thing. Thank you. And then we have uh, Paladin. YYZ for $25. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, you're so damn smart, Oren. I'm pretty smart, too. We both listen to Sabotage. Any connection is metal the true source of our intellectual might. Yes, I mean, obviously, Sabotage makes you smarter. Uh, I, I think it's very clear uh, that that is the key to both of our powers, Paladin, and your mighty intellect uh, is bestowed onto you by your appreciation for the Oliveira's brothers' music. Uh, and I really cannot encourage people enough to uh, increase their IQ and their ability to deliver uh, amazing political analysis by listening to Sabotage as well. All right, let's see. I think we got everybody there. 
All right, guys. I uh, really enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. We had a huge crowd. Uh, it's great uh, to see everyone. Prudentialist, amazing as always. Uh, and of course, Wade, great to have you on. Really love the show. Everybody, make sure you check out his stuff. All right, guys. Thanks for coming by. And as always, we will talk to you next time. <laughs>